Section 27 of Familiar Instructions and Evening Lectures on All the Truths of Religion, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Tatiana Chichilla. Familiar Instructions and Evening Lectures on All the Truths of Religion, Volume 2, by Father Louis de Segur. The Churches. We have seen the importance and necessity of an outward ceremonial and divine worship, we have seen that since man is not a pure spirit, but has a body as well as a soul, it is quite natural that religion should strive to enlist both in the service of the one true God, and by means of the senses of the body should plant within the soul the sentiments of faith, reverence, and religious adoration which strengthen and build up the Christian life and character. Those religious sects which almost entirely reject the use of sacred ceremonies prove by this fact alone that their religion does not come from him who has made us what we are and thus, under pretext of improving and reforming the Catholic faith, they have deformed everything and have ruined many souls. But in order that the true object of religious ceremony should be fulfilled, it is necessary that they should be understood. We shall, therefore, commence by a general explanation of churches and sacred things, and shall afterwards explain more minutely the ceremonies of the Mass, of Vespers, Benediction, etc. By the word church, two very different things are understood. First, the union of all the faithful who serve God, and form upon earth the great and holy family of our Father in heaven, and in the sense, the word means a society, and not a house of prayer. Second, we call by the name of church the building in which Christians gather together for the worship of God, the house in which they meet, thus taking the name of those who meet there. Our churches are consecrated, blessed, and are expressly forbidden to be used for anything but divine worship. They represent in a striking manner the living church of which we have spoken. The stones of which they are built signify the immense number of Christians whose perfect union forms the Catholic Church, and the pillars or columns which sustain the edifice are an image of the bishops and pastors charged to sustain and uphold the spiritual edifice of the faith. And even as the walls and columns all rest upon the pavement of the temple, upon the basis, upon the foundation, the faithful and the bishops all rest upon the Pope, the Vicar of Jesus Christ, the chief and sole foundation of the Holy Church of God. The basis of our churches, therefore, represents the sovereign pontiff upon whom everything within the church rests, faith, doctrine, discipline, etc. In the second place, even as the church is composed of the saints who are already in heaven, of Christians still fighting upon earth, and of the holy souls who are awaiting their deliverance in purgatory, so the material churches are composed of the choir, where we may see the priests, as we shall presently explain, a figure of the saints and angels, of the nave, filled by the faithful servants and soldiers of Jesus Christ, and lastly of the churchyards, where the bodies of departed Christians repose, and which should be, in accordance with the true spirit of the liturgy, under the pavement of the temples, or at least within the shadow of their walls. There exists one other striking resemblance between the living church and the buildings in which we worship God, for even as in the first Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, is the center and principle of all the glory of the saints and angels in heaven, of the holiness of Christians upon earth, of the hope of the souls in purgatory, so in our churches all Catholic worship and Catholic devotion centers round the blessed sacrament, where the same Jesus ever dwells, present in his own divine person on our altars, to be with one sacred object of our adoration and our mediator with God. Churches are usually surmounted by a high spire, at the summit of which shines the cross, the holy symbol of Christianity. Sometimes we see the image of a cock, signifying the vigilance with which God should be served. In the steeple are the bells, which, with their soft chimes, summon the faithful to prayer. For fourteen centuries, bells had been used in the Christian church. This custom was established by St. Paulinus, a holy bishop of Knoll in Italy. 
Until that time, Christians had been summoned to their meetings by less convenient and less efficacious means, such as trumpets, rattles, and even the human voice. It is said that bells are baptized, but that means simply blessed, so as to set them apart for their holy use. We might give many more interesting details with regard to the form and exterior of our churches, but we only desire to call the attention of the reader to the most essential points. End of section 27.